0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Start Hustle, brought to you by FullScale.io. Welcome back, Hustlers. This is Andrew, your host for today. And I'm super excited about our guest today. Kevin is going to be um, opening up with me just about the state of e-commerce and what's going on right now as we approach Q4. Uh, he owns a digital uh, agency here in Kansas City, and we've been friends for a while. So, me on the Amazon side, him on the digital marketing side. Um, you know, we've talked shop quite a bit. Before we get started, I'd love to give a shout out to our sponsor, Tesseract Ventures. Tesseract Ventures helps companies become smarter, better connected, and more efficient through next-generation robotics, 21st-century software, and radically connected platforms. Visit TesseractVentures.io to learn more, or click the link in the show notes. That company is super cool. I know uh, uh, Matt, another host on the show, is getting getting a robot. So I'm super, super stoked to play with that soon. Kevin, say hello. Uh, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, I'm glad to be here, Andrew. And thanks for having me on um, Startup Hustle. I'm super excited. And um, hey, um, let's talk digital marketing or whatever you want to talk about.
0: I love it. I don't think we've, um, I don't think we've seen each other since uh, the pandemic, you know, so uh, it's good to see you. And why don't we just start with a little rundown of the last few months, like what's been going on? Um, just real talk, you know, there's no sales stuff here. So just like what's been going on is have you seen a lot of people coming to web right now? Or has it been kind of the opposite of that?
1: Yeah, it's been kind of crazy. So I think with the state, um, with covid right um it kind of accelerated the whole digital marketing climate and just being online right um i hate using the word digital marketing because to me okay. Okay. um digital marketing is marketing today you know um so everyone has to do some sort of digital right and i think now businesses are realizing hey there's a need for it um just because of what happened you know right. there's really no other option um, with being social distance and everything. So, um, with my team, we've been keeping actually extremely busy. So
0: no, I would say I could echo that. And at first, like it was definitely stages. You know, for me, it was like, sure, the fear, like everyone else, of what's going on and how do we adjust and what are like, you know, how do I even keep the team together? And uh, and you you guys have been virtual. so I'm sure there's not a ton of changes, but um, for us, we still do a lot of in-person training with our team. And we went kind of from that fear stage to like, we're going to be okay stage to, you know, that was for several months going to be okay stage. Like, let's just see if we can maximize kind of the clients we have. Cause no one was really spending money. Um, and then I do feel like kind of ramping up to Q4, I've been seeing a, a surge in, you know, inquiries into selling on Amazon or, or getting their e-commerce up to par Um, almost like it's what I would typically get, I guess, like a a boost around June or July, as far as clients looking to like, you know, grow this year, it seems like it's been happening more like July, August.
1: Yep. And, and I always tell people, um, whenever there's an economy issue, kind of like today, right. I was, um, I went through 07, 08, um, and I was a business owner back then. And, um, definitely because of uncertainty, I think there's always that, you know, underlining fear um, of not knowing. And um, what we found is uh, the key is you just keep going, right, Um, Mm -hmm. if you can. And, um, you know, you'll get over the storm eventually. And um, we've been blessed, you know, um, we, you know, with digital marketing, a lot of things can be done virtual, like you said, But we made some huge changes, too. So uh, the last time we met, um, we had an office downtown and everything. And uh, we got out of our lease in July. Uh, We decided to go 100% remote. Um, I had an office for six years, so it was definitely new, (laughs) you know, not being able to walk over to the person next to you and go, hey, I need help with this or that. And, you know, we always use Slack, Trello, all these tools, right? but we really didn't, I mean, you know, some of us were lazy and we don't really use it because we're in the same office, right. but now it pushed us to really utilize these tools. And there was the learning curve where, Hey, we kind of slow down a bit, right. Where, Hey, let's not, you know, sign new clients. Let's, uh, you know, get the internal team where we're ch- churning on these mean. tools. Yep. Before we start picking up clients. Yep.
0: No, I love it. And, um, I couldn't echo that, that more like communication is the key, you know, to everything. And, um, you can, it just changes whenever, you know, technology changes in the way that we're talking and doing different things. Um, you know, for some of us, it's like, you can have too much, you can have too little, you know, but I know that the key to our success with our brands is communication. Um, and just thankful really that we had a business model where a lot of our clients were outside of the city. Um, so we've been, our team internally spends a lot of time together, but like, as far as client facing, you know, we work with clients remotely through the computer, through the phones for, for years. So it wasn't that much, um, you know, of a change.
1: Yep. And the same here, but what we found is really neat is so beginning of um when COVID first started, um it just happened i really started tapping into the global market and really hitting just getting in touch with my roots and um really just um touching base with clients in asia so okay. um i started a live show um bottoms up perspective on linkedin and youtube and um and it took off and um it's been neat um even during the pandemic is being able to kind of change my perspective on doing things um just you know, instead of doing conference room meetings, now we can do everything on Zoom, on Google Meet. And um, we've been able to really um, even acquire um, quite a bit of business outside of even the U.S. And it allowed me to really see that um, our world is more connected than mm-hmm. ever. And a lot of times, um, you know, we're so used to just our own community that we forget there's people outside of here. And that's the beauty of doing things online. Um, no the sky's the limit. Right. No,
0: I agree. And that was, I mean, it's one of the reasons I got into this business was uh, I love travel. Um, I don't like being tied to any one place or, I mean, KC is home, but like, you know, I want to be able to work from the car if I need to or a coffee shop or, um, you know, I was in Turkey earlier this year with my dad for a medical thing and I was working just fine from Turkey. You know, if there's Wi-Fi and internet connection, which I, I did bring this, uh, like this hotspot that you can connect anywhere with like kind of high connectivity, but that's the world we live in, you know? Yep. And, um, I I've already been into several, uh, meetings with Amazon in regards to international expansion. Like we, we have brands that we work with, um, in Singapore uh, Amazon, Japan, Amazon, Australia, um, all of the EU. So UK, France, Spain, Germany, Italy, Netherlands, Sweden now. Um, so in a way, you know, I, and I get excited, I guess, when I have a call with a guy in Singapore or something, because it just makes me feel, you know, even though I'm landlocked here in Kansas city, like it makes me feel connected.
1: Yep. And it's awesome being able to um, even have that open-mindedness, you know. And uh, when we talk marketing, right, uh, you have to remember there's a culture play there, you right. know. And what works in the U.S. might not work in these different cultures. And um, when you're a marketing person in the digital world, you have to have an understanding and respect for other cultures too, because um, the way their buying habits are are probably a lot different and you're probably experiencing that as well and um it's neat you know yeah. it's fun it's a learning curve
0: no we are we actually like yeah. learned that lesson by using like things tools like kind of taking the cheap route and using tools like google translate to convert amazon listings and things like that um and then took it up a notch getting like native speakers uh to take a look at each of the languages we were using and being like okay so this is probably broken you know broken spanish or broken french or broken japanese we i obviously (laughs) didn't try japanese but um we hired immediately for that but point just being that we needed to do better and so it was a matter of finding connections in those places um and it's been honestly awesome results at least as far as amazon's concerned getting our brands um more exposure that's awesome What's what's a fun project you're working on right now?
1: So right now, actually, um, we acquire a client out in Singapore, and um, we're actually okay. working with them right now. Okay, and um, you know, as an employee engagement platform, and um, so that's been a fun project, um, because they're training employee culture within um in Singapore, so it's a little okay. different than what yeah. I'm used to because I'm very. You know, I've been in the U.S. for so many years, so I understand kind of employee engagement and culture out here. But there is definitely, um, there's a learning curve. And it's interesting, even though I'm Asian myself, uh, but I grew up here. So, um, you know, even within Asia culture, um, Singapore, Hong Kong, China, Vietnam, they all have a culture within itself, right? So um, the way their companies run. And um, so we're working on a few... um, um, getting the software launch and getting users to get on there and different things is um, definitely a little different, um, but yeah, it's fun. So. That's
0: fun. No, that is fun. And um, something that I can relate to would be, I grew up in Africa. As you know, you know your wife's a missionary kid. And you know? we have that in common. Um, but growing up in Africa, like that culture, is very comfortable for me, and I like understand it. And uh, we took a trip to moscow and my dad was a um a teacher there for one year we were filling in for someone that was on like a, a they had lost someone in the family so we were like filling in for them and i remember trying to adapt from african culture and the way that we communicated and everything even if it was english to uh, moscow russia and eastern europe and being like i just don't understand anything about this place, these people, you know, it was overwhelming, even though one would say, Hey, you're an American living in Africa. You know, that was what I was used to. That was what I was comfortable with. Um, and then being in Moscow, I felt like a fish out of water, you know, and it was just take me back where I can have my shoes off, you know? Um, and I think even, you know, living in Hawaii, all those things really help you get that global perspective that like, we really are, um, you know, that connected.
1: And I think it's so important today too. Um, If you're in business, um, you know, I challenge everyone, um, get out of your bubble, you know, open up your eyes, have a global perspective. And when you come back home, um, you can really apply some of your perspectives that you get from other countries, different places, different people. Um, I mean, when you're an entrepreneur, you're always learning. And the worst thing we can do for ourselves is just stopping. And, um, you know, oh, I already know everything, right? Um, it's, uh, you know, that's the worst, you know, um, we're constantly students, you know,
0: and no, and it, it can yeah. be, it can be exhausting, but it's also the excitement, you know, of like, there's a better way to do this. If I just keep, you know, keep learning, um, let's, let's play with that just a little bit. Um, what's something to someone that's like trying to, to any listeners that are trying to get more digital or do more of their business online? Um, what, a, what are a couple areas that you would have them focus on for someone kind of new and trying to get either their product or their service, um, you know, online?
1: I think one of the key things today is, um, personal brand. I know we hear this a lot, uh, but if you think people buy from people, they mm-hmm. don't necessarily always buy from just a cool product or a cool brand, which that stuff helps. Right. But, you know, I know you're a fan of Gary Vaynerchuk, you know? And uh, his personal brand is so strong, he can sell anything, you know. And I think when you're new um, to content marketing or just putting yourself out there on these digital platforms, don't overthink it. I think too many people, um, they strategize so much to the point they don't ever take action. And I think a lot of the tools today, you have to, even social media, you just start by doing it. And then as you do it, you'll get better at it and you'll start learning. And um, and it's good, you know, to work on your personal brand because there's a little more room to make mistakes and mm-hmm. people are more forgiving um, than your business brand.
0: I, I couldn't agree more. And um, speaking to that specifically, I've had my own journey with like personal brand to business brand going from a freelancer. You know, to people see me as the t shirt guy with when I launched Landlocked, you know, and I was passionate about Amazon. Like the stuff I do with Amazon is super cool. Why are people calling me the t shirt guy? You know, and then I remember intentionally being like, I want to be known as the Amazon guy, um, you know, of Kansas City, of the Midwest. Honestly, n- my goals are higher than that, right? But it was, it was like this focus on personal brand. And I really had a hard time being authentic whenever I was trying to market all of them. Um, and it wasn't until I, my team got a little bit bigger so I could get a little bit more help. Sure. Uh, but, or hiring someone like you, uh, to help us out. But it was like, um, when I separated my business brands and they had their own voice, then it left room for me to have mine. Um, and that's where I feel like I'm at now. And, you know, there's always room for improvement, but it wasn't until I kind of separated myself from the businesses that then my personal brand had, had more legs to
1: stand on. Yep. Yep. And I think a lot of people, if you're new to this stuff, you have to know your why. Why are you doing it, right? It's great to go, oh, I want to be everywhere. And that's what you hear all these influencers talk about. Hey, produce content everywhere. Everywhere is hard. It's not easy. It takes a lot of work to do it right and be consistent with it. And there are days, you know, a lot of us aren't born to be copywriters. And I always tell people, If you're doing social media content on different platforms on a daily basis, you're actually writing multiple books, right? You know, and you're going to get burned out. You're going to get tired. And it's, you know, only if you're just a natural writer, you know, so it's not really that easy. So what I suggest is find out what you're good at. If you're good at being casual, fun, dance moves, maybe TikTok works for you. You know, if you're a professional, like, like myself, I'm a little, I'm kind of an introvert. Um, I play a lot in the B2B world. So I focus mainly on LinkedIn and um, that's where I have time to do it. You know, my, with J29 creative um, we're everywhere, but with my personal brand, I focus a lot on LinkedIn. I do stuff on YouTube. So I think um, you just have to see where, you know, you're strong at because it costs money. Like Andrew said, if you want to be everywhere, then you have to find help, um, or build a team, um, hire an agency. Yep.
0: Right. And I think that can even be a stepping stone. Um, you know, you have to do what you have, what you can afford, but if you're a company out there that's, you know, wanting to make that move online or think about online or need to out of necessity, um, sometimes you just need that stopgap. you know, and yep. you need someone that can step in, help you get set up help you get like a plan in place, help you get strategy, kind of show you some of the basics. And then you could, you know, save. think of it like an investment, you know, and then you have the tools to continue to go from there. But I think that most people don't know how to get started because not everyone can just take action when they don't know where they're going. I think that's what makes us entrepreneurs, Kevin, uh, is that not everyone has that gift or that, you know, that ability. Can we all do it? Sure. But for those that aren't like, you know, a trailblazer and something that makes you super uncomfortable, get someone that helps you do it. Get someone that pushes you when you're paying somebody, there's something about it that you don't want to waste that money, you know? So I wanted to speak to that. You talked about copywriting and I, I had another guest on the show, uh, John Romanillo, and he's a copywriter, uh, by trade. And, um, I'm in his course. I'm taking his master course and awesome. uh, thanks with the coach uh, that goes along with it. So I'm learning and I i mean, I actually have a call after after this couple hours after this that we'll get into some of the stuff I'm working on. But I'm really realizing the difference between content and copy. Um, yep. And I think that I'm pretty good because I've been practicing a lot at content. I mean, we're making some right now. Right. Right. Um, but copywriting is another beast. And it's something that I don't need to be an expert per se, but I definitely need to level up. And, you know, definitely there's a lot of of room I can grow there. You know, you talk about being kind of an introvert and um, I, I wouldn't, I might be somewhere in the middle, but I'm not, you know, fantastic at sales in regards to anything outside of relationship. So like you I love building relationships, you know, come from a missionary family, bartended too. So it's just like relationship building is my thing. I'm comfortable with it. Um, but you got to sell to be in business, right? You got to yep. sell at some point to be in business. And so, you know, just they're pushing me to be a little uncomfortable, you know, in my, in my emails, in my follow-ups, like, hey, just like, you know, we're, we're setting up automation and things like that to, to help us be more efficient. And um, it's really pushing me. Uh, I don't know if you've, you know, what experience you have in those areas, or if you have someone on your team, but for me, it's way outside of my element.
1: Yep. And I think it helped me. So, um, you know, I went through some journeys back in 07, 08, Uh, whenever, um, I lost my first business. Um, you know, I ended up going through a bankruptcy and, um, you know, and then I had to get back into, um, you know, I own a restaurant bar for four years and, um, I was looking at, so um, by trade I was very similar to you. I I think we talked about this in the past. I was a software engineer by trade, so I was in the computer industry. Um, Decided to open a restaurant bar. Um, So, and then um, in 07, 08, um, the economy crashed, lost everything, and then had to start over. And during that time, I think one of the best things I did was um, I got into the car sale business. Mm-hmm. just out of the necessity of surviving to pay bills and um you know i decided to go sell cars and while i was selling cars it really kind of pushed me outside of um my box where you know i was always in um some kind of either entrepreneur setting or office setting but i learned how to sell and be uncomfortable and um you can't get a sell without asking right and um I I learned that during car sales and I always recommend people if, Hey, if you're looking for something to do to make some money, car sales is great for you because you'll acquire some great skill sets because those guys know how to sell.
0: Right. I heard it's pretty (laughs) tough environment, really. Like I've had, I've had, I have quite a few friends in sales from real estate to cars to insurance, all kinds of stuff that do very, very well. Um, and for people that are like, you know, struggling from the pandemic, I think, you know, it's it's a great option for someone trying to get in there. Um, but I've heard it's a tough environment even between, um, you know, colleagues kind of because it's just they know how to sell and they're kind of cutthroat. Is that true?
1: It is. So um, you've got this board. It's very competitive. Yeah. And with car sales is whoever walks in the lot, you know, whoever Gets to it first. And I think that's where the term, you know, early bird gets the worm. worm. Yep. You you got guys that'll show up at the car lot at like 5 a.m. when their job doesn't even supposed to start at eight. And you start learning being the new guy. Oh, there's a reason why, you know, because he wants to make sure he gets everything ready for the day. And um, yeah, it's definitely cutthroat.
0: There's something to be said about, you know, being in a niche and being the expert of it. Um, sales being a little different because if you're good at sales, you can kind of, you know, just hop around. But one thing that I've been really learning is that some of the best gains, if I can use that word in knowledge, almost like a weightlifting term, but like the biggest gains or the biggest growth you can get, um, can come from someone bringing a skill from a different industry, um, to a new industry. And it's like, it's an, it's almost like a breath of fresh air. Um, let's talk, I'd like to talk a little bit about playing with that. Like we don't have to go into like, you know, your failed business or the, the bankruptcy, but you know, and then you went into sales, like, what was that time like? And you know, what ultimately helped you or propelled you to, you know, kind of pick yourself back up and and launch another
1: business? Yeah. So it was kind of interesting. So during that time, I, so, I've been an entrepreneur, um, athlete, so I'm always, um, very self-motivated, driven. And, um, during that time I was just trying to survive. Right. So I went from, you know, being an entrepreneur, making six figures to literally, I went and worked for my uncle. Um, my uncle owned like Chinese restaurants in a small town called Springfield, Missouri. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have a college degree, but I went and helped him fry chicken, (laughs) You know just for the time being and um happens he had a restaurant inside the campus where i went to college and so um i went and did that for a while and then um were you so married I, at the time Um. yep okay. i got i just got married yep in 09 so it was around 08 um so it was dr- during that time i met jennifer so yeah, yeah, so I was single then, married, I guess. Yep.
0: You know what's funny? Um, so during that time, I was touring full time or trying to tour full time, playing in a uh, a local band here in Kansas City. But we we were like definitely touring the Midwest, Chicago, Springfield. Played a lot of shows. Oh, really? Time. Yeah. So uh, might have even been in the city at the same time. You know, the we we would book a lot of shows around universities. So that's crazy. you know those kids are the ones trying to come to shows so um all right so funny time so but but bringing it back 0809 you're in Springfield you're working in your uncle's kitchen um you know to get by w- what happened next
1: Yeah so during that time I was like hey I need to look for something so I was always looking for something to get me back you know to the tech industry right. um because that's kind of where my heart was right um and in my mind hey that's what my degree is and i need to get back and anyone would know if you're in the midwest a lot of the t- software jobs is pretty much you have a software title but you do everything at the midsize company from mm-hmm. website to picking up boxes to whatever the server Same
0: thing is like <laughs> as soon as any family member knows you have some kind of computer background you become the all over computer tech like can you fix the computer? Can you fix the screen? Can you fix the the library program? Can you fix like, if it's almost like owning a truck, right? Like you work in computers, you're doing everything.
1: Yep. So during that time, I talked to my campus counselor and go, hey, what would you recommend to me to do? I've been an entrepreneur for four or five years. I've got all this experience. And they go, hey, um, I was thinking about going back and getting my master's. And okay. they said hey instead of wasting your money why don't you get into a management training program and so they named some companies it was walgreen aldi foods and um enterprise rental car okay so i put in my application for all three and uh, luck of the draw i got enterprise right okay. and, and so i end up being in the rental car business and if anyone knows about enterprise car sales they don't care who you are and what you've done everyone starts from the bottom and move up you know that's the whole concept that jack taylor the founder have so um it's very military like you wear your dress shirt and tie you rent cars you wash them whatever so um having business experience you know going in there i move up pretty quickly but hey there was some a few hard months where I had little, you know, 19, 20 year olds, you know, graduated from college telling me what to do. And it really kind of, um, you know, your pride kind of goes down a little bit and you start, you know, Hey, you just swallow it, you know? So during that time, I worked my way up from the training program and, um, I saw stepping stone, um, to get into, um, the car sales portion of enterprise. And that's actually what took me to Kansas city, because I got promoted and I moved up and I was one of the reps overseeing the car sales operation in Kansas City in the Midwest. And um, and that's how I got into car sales. And um, what's really neat is um, I learned a lot during that time. Um, talked to a lot of people in dealerships and um, a lot of the older guys have, there's a lot of golden luggage, um that they can give to you because they've been doing it for a long time. I think one of the biggest skills I got was, you don't always just take no for an answer. There's a reason why people are saying no to you. And if you can find the underlining why, as why they're saying no, then you can usually find a solution that they'll buy. So.
0: No, I think that's, I mean, that's fantastic. That's what I'm learning in copywriting right now as well. And in person, on the phone, not in the written form, but like, you know, if we're talking and we're specifically talking Amazon, um, I don't feel like there's a hesitation or a no that I don't know the solution for. I truly believe that. Like, there's a couple, like, let me look that up. Maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe. But like, as far as like the sales process of like, I know what they're thinking before they even say it. You know, an example would be, I know that they're worried about their sales guys. If they're in a traditional retail like wholesale type of company trying to go online, they're worried about their wholesale or their sales guys that may have been with them for a long time, big producers losing some of their business to online. They're worried about, um, you know, salary. They're worried about, well, what's, you know, what's Joe going to do? That's, that's been here. If we hire you to do this, um, you know, they're worried about map pricing. They're worried about, um logistics they're worried about accounting they you know they're worried about Susie over in accounting that's like a real stickler and that's what makes her great at her job but everyone kind of fears her at the office too um, you know it's all these little things that the business mind on whoever i'm talking to is really thinking about it has less about do they want to be on Amazon or not in my mind and it's usually one of these blocks um you know Amazon's going to copy my product Amazon's going to steal my idea We're not going to be able to compete there, Um, and they very rarely ever just say that, right? They're not just like, actually, this is my fear, like you know, they're. It's a matter of getting it out of them, so to speak, and um, I'm trying to learn how to do that in writing, Um, you know, and so you're just like speaking to their nose before they even voice them, and I did this uh, speaking event, and uh, I think I've done it twice, and one time was at UMKC at the the Rainier Institute, but it was around this idea of the best way to be, you know, the best at what you're doing is to know the other side of what you're fighting or or you're trying to sell. And if if you understand their perspective, the person that's like coming to look at the car that has a no, right? If you understand maybe what all their no's might be by essentially knowing their their job or their role. Um, you can become very effective, uh, in sales or very effective in, in growing your brand, um, by just, instead of being ignorant about the other side, maybe even the side you don't agree with, or you don't understand by being knowledgeable about it, you can meet them in the middle.
1: That's so true.
0: Yeah. I think that's what, you know, you said it a little bit shorter with, you know, that, that wisdom, but for me, that was just something that I didn't always understand right out the gate, but something I learned over time. You know, simple things like on Amazon, a practical application would be like, I don't do anything black hat, right? I don't, I'm an Amazon partner. Like I've just seen so many people get in trouble doing it. Um, But I am competing with people that, that, you know, kind of walk the line or are on the other side of the line, as far as like, I'm representing this brand that we're working for and they have competitors out there that might be doing all types of stuff. Right. And so I need to know what they're doing um so that I'm not ignorant about what's happening out there you know on the battlefield of sales so to speak but even if I'm not willing to do that being able to speak to it and being able to speak to the brand about what I think competition is doing and what's actually going on and you know fraud or any number of things has just been so valuable in building relationship and building trust um they're not instead of them thinking, oh, this is just a goody two shoes that won't try walking the line or this gray area and know these, these things. No, I do know them. Um, I know everything about them. We're just going to do this and here's why, you know, and that's been, that's a practical application to that for me. Um, but it's been super important. I mean, being, being invited and accepted into Amazon's, uh, partner program this year as an agency, you know, I don't know if that would have happened if I had been one of these guys that was, you know, trying to wild west it and, um you know find the hacks on Amazon so to speak. I don't think Amazon would have been reaching out about making us a partner, you know, so definitely paid off in the long run, but um something that was 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 hard to learn without that previous sales experience.
1: No, and I love that Andrew. Um and I think you and I are very similar. Um I think it's the same in the digital marketing, you know, the marketing world. Today, right? You have all these LinkedIn influencers, Instagram influencers, and but then how how did they get those followers? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very aware of the bots that are out there, the engagement pods, um, you know, all the different hacks out there. Right? I think as a practitioner, you have to be aware of what you're competing with. Mm-hmm. Then you can go back and educate your clients. Hey, here's how you can tell. Because I mean, so many times people come to us and go, Hey, XYZ, look how many followers they have. And wh- why why am I not growing like that? And then I go, Well, if you pay attention to the comments, XYZ, and I'll show you the patterns, those aren't real. Right. right. <laughs> I don't do that at J29. You know, there aren't I don't. Yep. I don't Mm want to buy, buy those things for you. That'll put my company in bad reputation. And if you want to go do that by yourself, that's great. You know, but that's where it comes. Integrity comes in. Right. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people integrity is what you do behind closed doors. Right. And that's important. And I respect you for that. And I think it's so important to understand the environment you're in. That way you can educate your clients. Because if you're not in it day in and day out, like for myself, I'm not doing Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. So I know nothing about it. So it's easy for me to get misled and go, hey, look at how many views are on this product and not know that, hey, they're hacking it, for example. But then if you can educate me, I'm all ears, right? But you just have to be able to explain it to me.
0: No, and, and there's no way you can do that unless you can speak to both sides. And that's why I, um, you know, for me, it's been so important to find good partners on the other side of the Amazon, you know, uh, marketplace. Because if we're if we're working with other brands, other partners, other agencies, um, they either need to trust us blindly about Amazon or have enough knowledge about Amazon um, that they can you know, hey, we're trying to give you the opposite side of, of let's say a website, you know, people a lot of times people think websites and Amazon are competing. And that's not really the case. They can work in unison. It's just a matter of you don't know what you don't know, you know, kind of thing. Yep. And it, we're still trying to learn that in all the ways that, you know, e-commerce can be more become more holistic. Um, that's really my passion is like, you know, really taking a business and taking all these individual branches or these individual things and like really getting them to work together. Um, people call it omni-channel. You know, people call it whatever <laughs> you want. But for me, you know, it's kind of that in that it's like, how do we get social and this engagement arm, and then this like personal side of 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 maybe an email or a blog, and then um, you know, the signups, and then the way that you're marketing them. How do you keep it authentic? And um, you know, as someone that's competitive, we both talked about you being an athlete. Like I'm an athlete. I I love to compete and. Um, basketball just opened up and I know that's probably a questionable topic for some people with the pandemic but I'm just so pumped because I haven't had anything um, you know for the last six months it's been a way to get rid of some energy and a way to get rid of some of that competitiveness um, but we're always trying to win if you're you know if you're a competitor you're trying to win and yeah. it, it can become very easy to look at what some, you know, some people are doing out there to just show those results, because then the brand owner that doesn't know anything will just be like, okay, great job, right, and be off your back, so to speak, because you're getting them these results. But um, if I've learned anything, is that shortcuts take you nowhere when it comes to business um and if i have to i just guess i got comfortable pushing back on brands and clients saying hey i'd rather have the hard conversation with you about maybe results not being where they where you'd like them uh over just presenting something that you can easily wash it by them by saying the right things you know because that's if they don't have that intense knowledge or that uh they're not going to even be able to speak to it so I don't know how we got down that rabbit hole exactly, but I very firmly believe on that. Um, like knowing the opposite side of a thing, um, even with all this stuff going on in politics, you know, like knowing the opposite yes. of other people's perspectives and how they're living, how they feel, how they think, um, just makes us greater people overall. Much less business owners.
1: Yep, I agree, a hundred percent.
0: I'm gonna give another shout out to our sponsor for today's show uh tesseract do you believe that there's nothing more human than technology go check out what the inventors engineers and creatives are building over at tesseractventures.io from robots to flexible tech solutions for construction and beyond the tesseract team dream it and make it come to life um i talked about that robot but i'm just telling you you know you've always had a passion for development and programming the guys at tesseract are doing a lot of cool stuff um Let's talk about Q4 a little bit. I, I always okay. want to give, just based on timing and what's going on, we've talked about the pandemic and this year and kind of growth as an agency. Um, you know, you have brands that do services, you have software companies, you have a, like a wide range of clients that you work with. Um, you know, what are you, number one, first question, what are you expecting to happen this Q4 in regards to like consumer goods and any of those types of brands? Um, and then two, like, what are you telling those brands um, you know about what you're expecting I know that nothing is baseline right now we're not going in we're not going to compare this Q4 to last Q4 and probably no one's going to compare 2020 to any year as far <laughs> as the status quo you know it's just like hey we got through it but um, I'd love to hear your thoughts just on you know what you're telling your clients about what's coming up and um, what to expect
1: I think we're gonna expect some growth you know especially I think as a worldwide thing I don't think it's just the U.S. is opening back up, but Asia, Europe. Um, I think people are tired of, um, you know, being home, (laughs) you know, Um, as much, you know, COVID still exists. You know, Um, I think people are ready um, to get back into, uh, you know, the new norm. That's what I would call it. You know, I wouldn't call it normal, but more of a new normal and um i i think brands are more aggressive than ever um i think um it's a new new kind of brand too right i think uh consumers are buying from more boutique brands um what you'll see is a level playing field because it was a lot harder for larger brands to pivot during the pandemic versus smaller brands and um so you go start seeing some unique items um, because now, you know, a mom and pop business, just like people, you utilizing platforms like Amazon, um, is a level playing field, you know? No. Uh, and so I think, um, the consumer buying is different. Um, more people are doing it online, um, like for myself, right. I never was big on, I love the experience of shopping. So going out there, being able to touch and feel and see the items, including my groceries, right. So I'm a big on shopping in person, being able to touch and feel and see the items I'm looking at. And, you know, even with grocery, right? I want to see the food that I'm buying. And during this pandemic, it kind of challenged me a bit, right? So I started, you know, having people delivering my groceries to my house. And now I'm in love with it. I was like, this is pretty cool. Like I can do everything literally from this office, (laughs) you know? So um, I think more and more people are buying on Amazon. They're buying online. And I think that's the shift you'll see in the market.
0: Yeah, I think that what happened was, um, you know, millennials and younger, very comfortable with technology, very comfortable buying online. But the pandemic has changed the buying behavior where the older generation has gotten more comfortable as well. Um, I don't know if there's anyone in the U S that hasn't bought something online or, um, I'm sure there's some exceptions, but for the most part, you know, we had this, the adoption rate for, for using technology just jumped by, you know, tons, um, and you know, even apps and, and things like that for ordering food and groceries, like you said, um, just, just change the game and the way that we're doing everything and where people used to fear online, I think now they're kind of embracing it. And I mean, metaphorically, we could talk about that all day, right? It's just right. like, you know, whenever we conquer the things that we're afraid of or we don't like, it's surprising to know, you know, kind of what we like. Um, that is something we enjoy even more, right? And And maybe that's, that's why there's a hesitation to it. And don't get me wrong. I think that there's a level of me that, you know, tell a story just for a second, cause we got a minute, but I went to get coffee the other day and, uh, it was just a little bit different coffee shop than where I normally go. You know, you're wearing a mask, there's no seating inside. Um, and there was a lady there with a dog and, um, am if someone engages me, I'm very friendly, but I don't necessarily, I'm like a kind of a tall guy tattoos. I know I can be a little intimidating, you know? So I, I try to just like if someone wants to approach me, okay, but you know, not not impose myself on anyone. And me and her just started talking about her dog. It was an interesting looking dog, cute dog, but had some weird spots. And she just wanted to talk about it, and I could tell that this lady just like wanted to talk to someone, you know. And so I just let her talk and um, enjoyed it more than I thought I would, you know, for the ten minutes or so that I was there. Um, but I kind of just like realized when I left that I don't think I had met outside of business. Okay. I don't think that I had met a stranger in months. Um, as far as having a small talk conversation, you know, about something as simple as a dog. Um, but that's, that's my fear a little bit about all of this is like getting so used to just being alone and in my little circle of friends or family, you know, to stay safe that I, I become too much of a, of an introvert or too much of, uh, a nerd behind the computer, because I like that side of me that, you know, is is okay getting out in public. So I'm gonna have to find a way to keep that balanced. But um, I've always been someone that embraced technology since I mean, I'm only I'm I'm 33. But uh, I've been around computers and technology since the DOS days, which is, you know, a ways back for someone my age. Um, so very comfortable with it. And And this change didn't really change anything for me other than, everyone around me is kind of now up to speed and uh,
1: yeah.
0: I'm enjoying that a little bit too much. I think everyone has to get on a zoom call uh, instead of just like, you know, waiting to meet in person or trying to set up all these meetings. And I'm like, thank God,
1: man, the time savings is crazy. Right. I was right. telling Jen the the amount of just saving on gas and eating out and just not going to different companies and businesses And now it's like the new norm. They don't want to meet you. They're like, let's hop on a Zoom call, you know? And I think everyone's starting to realize that, right? I think for commercial properties, it's going to be interesting.
0: Oh, I'm excited. You know, I I launched my warehouse business and um, I'm already scoping. I'm going to obviously be patient and find the right thing, but, um, you know, find a good opportunity for our warehouse to grow. And I mean, it was a... It was a game changer during the pandemic for some of the brands that couldn't find 3PLs to get into because they were so busy, they couldn't take on new brands. So we were able to capitalize on some of that with some of our own brands that were needing um, fulfillment outside of FBA or Amazon's fulfillment arm. Um, You know, so we were able to step up in there. But it's been, you know, it's been really interesting. And I think this Q4 will be extremely interesting um, to see what markets uh really grow and mm-hmm. you know we're already seeing things like you know outdoor supplies like you can't find a kayak you can't find um you know outdoor games like board games have just skyrocketed all kinds of games um, have skyrocketed home goods because so many people are spending more time at home um do-it-yourself projects are on the rise um just a lot of areas that maybe have, were already growing but just all like extreme extreme growth
1: RVs are killing it you know right. so I have a neighbor who who does like consulting for RV businesses and he said it's just killing it out there you know they're selling RVs like left and right you I know? don't
0: blame them you know I got a jeep and I'm looking at you know all the things I can do to make this thing like make camping and, and outdoors a thing and more enjoyable um, you know just thinking about the new normal but it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing those things that i resisted kind of like you you know like you like to shop in person and some of me was like the outdoors is cool but i can't be super productive when i'm outside and i'm just a busy entrepreneur so i think of the outdoors as like leisure time um and now it's just been so much more important if i'm not connecting with other people to connect to some kind of life whether it's you know (laughs) plants and trees and fish and water uh you know but also because of my interest in those things, I've seen that those markets are just growing. I mean, I went into a Bass Pro shop and it's summer, you know, and it was just completely empty. So whether it's their logistics is completely screwed up or else just that they have that much kind of demand right now for, for outside stuff is, is going to be cool. So on my side of Amazon, I'm, I'm going into Q4, just like super excited to kind of see what happens because I love that dynamic um, part of what we do. You know, like anything can happen.
1: I think it's going to be very interesting. Like you're talking about Q4 too. I think there's also a lot of businesses, the reality, you know, um, I think businesses, a lot of them have a savings and now they're really hurting as well. Because now it's like, wow, this pandemic is a lot longer than what they expected. And I think you're going to see, you know, some businesses disappear. And it's a sad reality, but um, at the same time, that's why it's so important to pivot, but people needed to pivot early. Or be accustomed
0: to change, like at the very Mm -hmm. least.
1: Yep. And you'll start seeing a lot of brands disappear that weren't willing to change, you know, so...
0: One thing, this is a little bit off subject, but we talked about thinking globally. We talked about like ways to find new business by, you know, you going back to Asia and and visiting your roots. And um, one area that I found for growth, I was talking about having these brands expand internationally is think about it in regards to seasonality as well. Right. Mm, So, like you know, Australia's winter is our summer and vice versa. As an as an easy example, well, you have an apparel company that's winter focused or you have you know outdoor goods let's say like fishing lures um you know and it's out of season here in the u.s and typically that's a downtime and now we're using like international markets to essentially offset for those businesses their selling season and so where it typically slows down okay let's put our focus in australia right? And then, you know, kind of switch. So that's been kind of fun and something new that I'm really trying to learn and be able to advise and consult on is, is understanding where those different market seasons are. You know, everyone doesn't celebrate Christmas. Everyone doesn't celebrate, you know, um, those things. And so where are those markets? Where can we see growth when other markets are seeing decline? Um, just makes me think about, you know, how businesses can pivot. And that's why I wanted to bring it up is just like, think a little, a little bit outside your traditional box for every business that's closing. I think another business is doubling. Um, you know, and so that's what I'm seeing and it is a sad story to see even in our city, you know, all these for lease signs and, and commercial buildings, um, you know, coming up for, that's the visible sign of it. Um, And so, you know, never want anyone to feel like they're stuck. But that's an area that you can look for a simple way. Um, It's just look for look for e-commerce to expand internationally and and essentially diversify your, your seasonality.
1: And I think so important to just like Andrew said, just be open minded, you know, and hey, it's okay to. No one says closing your business is a failure. Right, You know, look at it as a learning curve, you know, it's a way to learn. And I, I mean, I've had, you know, what public would say is failing, like, you know, but I look at it as a, a way to fail forward, right? It's the people that don't get back up. That's the problem. You know, um, there's an o- always an opportunity out there as long as you can bring value. And it's just uh, honing in and being patient and um, being able to tap into hey, what's something I can give to the world? And that's the beauty of these internet things. I mean, uh, you you can start a podcast today and make money off of it. You can do live shows. Um, You can start Amazon, right? Um, There's so much things that you can get paid by doing, you know, and you just gotta search for it.
0: I mean, that's how I got my agency (laughs) was, I was on a financial blog, which was free. (laughs) Just like this <laughs> podcast is free, you know, um, and I was on a financial blog after going through a low in my life and was trying to find ways to get ahead or ways to pivot, so to speak. Um, a blog talked about doubling down on your strengths and it was talking about, you know, instead of going back to bartending, find a way to further your career. So I started freelancing on Amazon, you know, uh, eight, seven, eight years ago um, when I was in corporate and that's what, you know, led me to where I'm at now. Um, So, you know, you you never know unless you're just out there exploring, ask, you know, ask other businesses or business owners what some people in their field are doing. What are some other people doing? You know, don't be afraid to ask in that way. Um, And I think you'd be surprised that what you're not thinking of, you know, that, that and then that's that's what was the coolest part about the pandemic for me was seeing the entrepreneur side of all these business owners come out. When this stuff started happening and the real you know the real entrepreneurs like really stepped up and came up with creative ways whether it was like you know rieger uh jd rieger like switching to hand sanitizer or you know uh, mean mule starting to ship uh you know shipping alcohol to cocktails to the door um any number of things that was just like for me it fueled me. I felt like a creative like, you know, resurgence because just watching all these people pivot and stay alive and survive was really inspiring to me.
1: And even for us, right, uh, with J29. So um, about two years ago, we kind of started, you know, we've grown as an agency. So we started working with bigger brands and then I pivot back actually. So um, I started working with small businesses again because um, the opportunities there where we can, hey, We've learned so much over the six years as an agency and we know how to help them. So more efficient I, now. Yeah, so I talked to my team. I was like, hey, um, old clients were calling me back, um, begging me like, hey, will you help me, Kevin? How did I pivot? And I was like, well, we don't work with small businesses. And then I started looking and I go, why not? Right. Um, we have the resources now. We have the software tools that where we could help. So now, I mean, I work with small brands again, which, you know um pre-covid i didn't think of you know i was thinking about growing and working with bigger um companies but now we're reverting back where we work with the mix right um because the opportunity's there and there's a need you know and business is all about supply and demand you know
0: it's it's finding a way to make it work and and i have that conversation all the time i have that conversation with uh a video partner that we have, you know, and he just does big production for the most part and things like that. And I was like, I have brand after brand after brand after brand that could use a slim down version of this, you know, that I think that could bring, bring business right now. Um, and so, okay, so so you're not losing labor. You're not losing, you know, how do you make this work? How do you keep your people busy? Um, how do you keep your people working? Um, so being able to just like readjusting, we, we have these goals set somewhere down the line that's like I need to be doing this. This is what I read in the book. This is what, you know, but if the if the process is the point, right? It's not about the destination but the journey. And I know that's cliche, but it's very, very true. That's true. if, If that is the point, then why does it matter if we're working with these big prestigious brands or smaller brands? Like what do you enjoy doing? Go back to that, focus on that. And I think that's where you, you know, you can really find the wins.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Kevin, it's been awesome having you on the show. Um, check them out. Where can people find you online or on LinkedIn?
1: Yeah, so on LinkedIn is um, Kevin F. Kwok, um So, but um, you can follow my hashtag is social Kwok, um on LinkedIn and everywhere else is at J29 Creative.
0: I love it. Kevin, so much. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Uh, and I'll see you again soon. All uh, right. One- Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks again to our sponsor as well. Tesseract has brought Silicon Valley level innovation to the Midwest, enabling businesses just like yours to defy the boundaries of space and time through next generation technologies. Visit tesseractadventures.io to learn more or click the link in the show notes. Uh, As well, I'll have all of Kevin's information in the show notes as well. Uh, Feel free to find him. You won't want to miss his show. He's on LinkedIn going live, has a lot of great information. Uh, Kevin, thanks again. Thank you. like we do it